Hi, this is Beth AQ, and this is the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. The Glass House is a space for spoken word artists, poets, sound makers, audio storytellers, emerging cultural leaders, thinkers, writers, and anyone who celebrates story as a means of self-expression, self-representation, and community building. I hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at BethanyAQ or the Triple R website. Everyone in the world has gone to bed one night or another with fear or pain or loss or disappointment. And yet each of us has awakened and arisen. There is the nobleness of the human spirit. Despite it all, black and white, Asian, Spanish, Native American, pretty, plain, thin, Fat, vowed or celibate, we rise. <laughs> Good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. You are listening to Triple R. You're in the glass house for the next hour. With me, my name is Beth AQ. To start, I acknowledge that we broadcast on stolen lands here at Triple R, on the lands of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation. I acknowledge this country's first peoples as the first storytellers of this land and acknowledge that context in which uh, we continue to share stories. I pay respects to elders past and present and extend that respect to any First Nations people that might be tuning in this afternoon. It always was and it always will be Aboriginal land. Coming up on the show today in just a few minutes, I'll be joined on the line by Gamilla Roy and Dungadi woman, Marley Silva. She is a writer and a podcaster, and she's also the co-founder of Titters for Titters, which you might know. It's a great Instagram page, and it was also created into a podcast. But she has just created a brand new podcast called Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories, where she sits down and chats with different Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander role models. Uh, It's really fantastic, and I'm really excited to delve into that a little bit. Uh, with her. And then later on, I will be sharing an interview that I did with audio producer and practice based researcher Beck Fari. You might know them from their show here on Triple R called Sleep Talker. It, it, it has been on every Wednesday from midnight to 2 a.m. for the last couple of years, but they are wrapping up the show tonight. So we spoke about the history of the program uh, and their audio career and, and kind of what's next for them. But if you don't know Sleep Talker, it is a really fabulous radio show that started as an independent podcast. It is all about sleep, dreams and what happens in your head after dark. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. 
To find out more about Triple R or to explore many more shows, podcasts, articles, videos and interviews, head to the Triple R website at rrr.org.au. You are listening to Triple R. Miley Silva is a Gamilaroi and Dungari woman. She has just created a brand new podcast called Always Was and Always Will Be Our Stories, where she sits down and chats with an inspirational Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander role model. Uh, she is also a writer and has created podcasts in the past, and I'm so excited to have her joining me on the line. Thanks so much for your time today, Marley. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's a real pleasure. I'd, I'd love to start by talking a bit about your journey to this podcast as I know that you started out creating Titters for Titters with your sister. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about, um, I suppose, your journey to, to this podcast? Yeah, it's funny because, you know, about 12 months ago, I, I kind of didn't even really know what podcasts were. Um, I had started the Titters for Titters Instagram page um, with my sister, you know, just telling the stories that we found so inspiring and amazing about our Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander um, sisters. And I got approached by Mamma Mia, which is a, you know, pretty big non-Indigenous media company um, that is, is all focused around women, and they, they asked me if I'd ever thought about it. Um, so through that kind of, you know, start of the relationship, I, I, I got to understand what podcasts were and I got to produce two seasons of a podcast with them where um, I was yarning with amazing um, women who were killing it in all different fields and then you know um, I got to towards the end of the second season and thought you know that this has been a great launching um, pad for me but I really um, I'm really passionate about Aboriginal owned and controlled um businesses and, and particularly media outlets. So I thought, okay, I feel confident enough to step out on my own, be independent and um yeah, then we had a global pandemic hit, so it became my <laughs> isolation project. Um yeah, and it's been it's so fun and I'm really glad I kind of shook any fear of doing it by myself and, and just took the leap. Mm. Well, I'm so glad you did. It sounds really fantastic and I, I love that you've been able to kind of go out and, and do it on your own. Can you, can you tell me a little bit about what it's been like kind of going from previously perhaps having a little bit more support and now kind of driving it all yourself? Well, it's interesting because on the one hand, um, you know, obviously it's a lot more work for me uh, because I am producing and editing and I had to teach myself the skill of editing and then all that kind of stuff. Um, but more so, it, what's more exciting is it's so freeing. Um, you know, I'm not tied down to a studio. I'm doing things from my bedroom and I'm able to, you know, have guests on who are, you know, in different parts of of the country and in the world, actually. You know, I've got a bonus episode coming out tomorrow uh, with Alan Clark, who's an amazing journalist and filmmaker who has just um, their crowdfunding for his latest project, which is all about the Barrowville murders, and he lives in France. And so I did a record with him on Monday and I'm putting it out today, and I just was never able to be that dynamic when I had, um, you know, a whole, you know, bigger team with a bigger media strategy to to think about. So mm. it's it's actually, I'm so, so grateful um, that it's worked out so well. And as you kind of say in your, in your podcast trailer, storytelling plays, you know, such a significant role in so many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities and has done for over 80,000 years. I'm interested if you can tell me a little bit more about your relationship to storytelling and, and perhaps how it's changed or evolved since kind of getting into podcasts. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I guess, um, you know, storytelling has been probably the biggest constant in my life for as long as I can remember. My mum often tells the stories of the fact that, you know, when I got to about five or six, she stopped reading my sister and I bedtime stories because I was making them up for the two of us <laughs> instead. And um, I think it's just because it's hard to shut me up. But um, I, you know, growing up, you're always learning more about um, your culture and your identity and your connection to it. But um, from the get-go, I attached my Aboriginality to stories. And I think that's because my dad, you know, was always telling us stories about our family and always, you know, we were always learning about who we are through those stories. And, um, yeah, so it's always been there. I've always been writing or, you know, I was a bit of a drama kid at school on stage, things like that. And um, it just turned out to be a a really natural progression. And, um, yeah, it's uh, something I find so easy just sitting down with mob, and and even if it is through Zoom or something, um, it feels like you're having a cup of tea with them. And um, it's. I think that's why we're seeing a lot of amazing Aboriginal podcasts popping up all over the place because we kind of are built for it. and it's, yeah, that's, I guess, I mean, I, I also have a novel coming out in two months, which I keep forgetting about because I've got so much going on as well. So um, literally everything I do every day is, is about storytelling. That's so exciting. I'm, I'm very excited for your novel as well, where you're just keeping yourself busy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, about the podcast so far. Each episode you sit down with, um, you know, amazing Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander people to kind of hear about their lives and their stories. And so far, you've covered everything from out of home care to debutante balls. Can can you tell us a little bit about um, what your curatorial process is like? How you pick who you want to talk to? Uh, well, I guess. Um to begin with, because I, I now have like quite a significant backlog of episodes that I recorded when we were all stuck at home. Um, and I reached out to particular guests because I guess I'm, I'm really lucky in the last couple of years um, through the work that I've been doing to be able to connect with really incredible um, blackfellas who are killing it in, in all those different areas, as you mentioned. And I guess my biggest focus was on um, emphasizing the fact that there is no one Aboriginal experience and we there's no universal way for us to exist and, and kind of smash those stereotypes of, of what our lives are like and, and what we do and, and things like that. So I've got episodes coming up with, uh, you know, an Aboriginal doctor or with... Um, you know, sports people, but I didn't want to have a massive focus on sports people because I feel like that's why, you know, those are the big stories you do hear about us in the media and, um, you know, also fashion designers and, and all this kind of stuff. So I guess that was my, um, you know, my prerogative there was just to really have a, a good breadth of stories, which, you know, is our reality. And I just wanted the people who listen to it who aren't part of our community to, to see that. Mm. And you've had some really incredible conversations so far. I'm, I'm interested, you know, I suppose when you kind of sit down with someone, has there been things that have have surprised you along the way so far? I think I'm always just, I don't know if surprised is the right word, but just like so humbled and grateful with how generous people are with their mm-hmm. stories. Um, I think that there's a great level of trust that comes when you are telling your story to someone who you don't know that well or who is going to put it in the public sphere. And, um, yeah, I, I'm so grateful for the ways that 
my guests make the time and then on top of that um, are, are so open uh, with the hopes of, of being able to make change in telling that story. Mm. And as you said before, there are so many really great podcasts that are coming out, particularly in the last couple of years, that are being told by um, First Nations people. I'm interested if there are particular podcasts or projects that you kind of are drawing inspiration or, you know, using as kind of like a touch point for for your work. Um, I guess I am... am very much kind of using the same format I was using in my last two seasons with Titters for Titters and uh, I'm trying to, I guess, probably uh, at the moment not not worry about being too refined and, and kind of just think, keeping things pretty raw and that and there's, there's quite a few podcasts um, uh, made by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people that kind of fit that same thing but when it comes to the other podcasters in the space what's actually the best bit is being able to kind of lean on each other for support or shout each other out or um, help connect each other to um, you know potential partners or sponsors or things like that um, in that way so it's kind of this growing community where um, we're elevating each other and lifting each other up which is which is awesome mm, yeah I love that so you've got four episodes out now I, you, I believe you, you your first episode dropped at the start of June so they've been coming out um, every week is this how you see it going for the next like little while or what 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 does what's the next kind of couple of months look like for you um that's that's the hope. I, I guess I almost didn't anticipate how many you know more opportunities for interviews with different people. Like the episode with Nakia Louie and, and Miranda Tapsell, um, that was not something I ever thought was. You know, I didn't think I could get heavy hitters like that. Um, you know, so early on in the piece, and it was because someone who was part of their past team reached out to me so I think there's going to be a lot more of that which is really exciting and um, as I mentioned tomorrow we're actually releasing a second episode of the week um, because there's there's a bit of time sensitivity around it to get this um, money for the um, documentary that Alan Clark is making so again that comes back to me being able to be really flexible and, and dynamic and things can change you know at any time whatever the community or what particular people who can be guests on the show need from me we'll we'll just keep it going like that and um, you know I'd love to just continuously be producing one every single week but you know I think that I might run out of people who want to be on the podcast at some point but we'll we'll just figure out as as we go and I say we like there's more than one of me but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's just I'm just going with the flow and um just feel so grateful to be able to share the stories that I get to hear. Well, it's really exciting and, yeah, I'm so I'm, I'm so excited that it exists and I can't wait to continue listening to it. Um, Marley Silver, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. That was Marley Silver there. Uh, she is a Gamilaroi and Dungadi woman who's just created this really excellent uh, new podcast called Always Was, Always Will Be Our Stories. Uh, I highly recommend checking it out. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts from. You are listening to The Glass House here on Triple R. This is a podcast from Triple R, an independent media organisation in Melbourne, Australia. Triple R is listener-supported radio and receives no direct government funding. If you would like to financially support Triple R by donating or becoming a subscriber, hit up the Triple R website to find out how. 
We're going to take a clip now from Sleep Talker, which you may know as a program that has been broadcasting here on Triple R for the last few years. It is a program all about sleep dreams and what happens in your head after dark. It is wrapping up tonight, um, but to celebrate, I'm going to play you an interview that I did with Beck Fari, the creator of the program, a little bit later on in the program. But right now we're going to take a small clip from what you can expect tonight. It has uh, extracts from interviews with performer and curator Arti Jadu and sleep scientist Argo. Also music from Kial Vocal Ensemble and Moses Carr and this one from the final episode of Sleep Talker which explores the experimental sleep event uh, polyphasic uh, and then after we'll be hearing from Beck Fari. Because the event was in a room of sleeping people the communications were limited and that allowed for a lot more intuitive playing. In February, I had built up so much disobedience towards my body and what it was saying and my nervous system that I got a chance to now, you know, rest and watch it, like, slowly ease back into normality or functionality. It, yeah, I feel like I'm really getting to explore the ideas of polyphasic right now. We know that sound is a frequency and has a waveform and that when we measure the brain through EEG, um, effectively, we're also looking at waveforms and frequencies too. So in my mind, I was thinking about, well, maybe there were particular things that we could equate frequency to, like like rhythm and, and speed or tempo. In that way, we'd be able to like capture the kind of like mental forms of activity, even though that we're not consciously aware of, of what's happening when we're sleeping, that in that way we can kind of mirror the um, brainwave activity.
Vecfari is no stranger to the Triple R grid. They are an audio producer and practice-based researcher. And for the last few years, Beck has been creating Sleep Talker. It originated as an independent podcast and is now a late-night experimental live broadcast here on Triple R. They've been hosting Sleep Talker every Wednesday night from midnight to 2am. And it's a show about sleep, dreams, nightmares and what happens in your head after dark. And they joined me this afternoon to look back on this really extraordinary audio project ahead of its very last show on Triple R tonight. Thank you so much for your time today, Beck. Hey, Beth. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks for introducing my show. I don't think I've ever heard anybody else use the tagline. So that was really cool to hear it in your voice. I feel <laughs> so like hearing it in my voice. <laughs> I feel like when I was saying it just then, I was trying to emulate your beautiful sleepy tones, but I just I yeah I, don't, I feel like I didn't quite nail it. But yeah, I'm very much trying to emulate the yeah the tagline that you've created. It's awesome. So Sleep Talker, it's a project that began back in 2014, I think, and it started out as an independent podcast. Can you tell me a little bit about why you first created it? Yeah, so it did start in 2014. And well, I suppose the sort of working on it and thinking about it started earlier than that um, because I was really interested in dreaming and nightmares and sort of things that happen in our subconscious experiences. And I think it was maybe in 2012, I had a birthday party. And at that birthday party, I invited everybody to dress up as something that they'd had a dream about. And then uh, I remember at that party, we sort of ended up exchanging a lot of dream stories and recollections and we wrote a lot of them down and so based on that experience I started a blog so I was like publishing kind of written recollections of dreams and that was a sporadic project for a couple of years and then uh, in sort of 2013-2014 roundabout that's when I started to get involved in community radio and getting really into podcasts and audio. And so uh, actually through working with you as well, um, when I joined All the Best, the community radio show that we used to work on together. Um, and so, yeah, so then I sort of combined these interests in dreaming with my interest in audio and that's where Sleep Talker was born. It's had such an interesting journey because you have had iterations of Sleep Talker on Sin. I know that, it, you know, as you said, it's been an independent podcast. It's now on Triple R. Um, I know that you also did uh, a hot desk fellowship at the Wheeler Centre uh, a few years ago, which was also an extension of the project. Can you talk a little bit about some of those different iterations of, of this project? Yeah, so I, I suppose... Uh Working on Sleep Talker in these different ways has been, you know, when I started it, I was really, really early in making audio. It was kind of the first uh, audio that I ever really made was working on Sleep Talker. And so uh, it's kind of just been the, um, the vessel maybe through which I've developed my creative audio practice. 
projects. Um, so when I when I first started the project, it was very much about interviewing. Well, I, you know, I started out interviewing my friends, um, and we talked a lot about dreams. And then over time, I realized that. I was also interested in sleep and I was also interested in uh, the different relationships we have to sleep. And so then I started interviewing people about, you know, sleep disorders or different sleep experiences. Um, and as I, you know, over that over time I started working in podcasting, so I became a freelance audio producer working on um storytelling projects and audio documentary projects and so then Sleep Shocker became sort of an audio documentary project I was doing long-form interviews and editing them into these kind of first-person narratives about sleep and the subconscious and then I suppose the the most recent kind of chapter in working on Sleep Talker has been this late night radio version um and so Working on this radio version has been, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I struggle to talk about it because it's something that's kind of happened uh, maybe subconsciously, maybe unconsciously, the ways that that the project has shifted. But certainly um, having a weekly program, you know, previously I was working on the podcast quite sporadically, working independently, so just sort of whenever I had time or whenever something came up I would work on it in between other things but then having like a weekly commitment um and then also having a two-hour broadcast so having all of this time every week to go really deep into these things and think about them um over kind of a broadcast time scale has has shifted uh, uh not only the style of the show, but also the um, the content. So what I'm actually talk- talking about and exploring. Mm. Um, and I'd say that more recently, probably in the past year, the show has started to encompass something that I I don't know if I can really adequately explain. And I've tried, <laughs> I've tried so many times, both on air and in interviews and also off air to kind of talk about this, this relationship that's developed um, and something that I have been trying to explore with Sleep Talker. And to me, it's about an intersection between our internal and external experiences or the fact that those things aren't separated um, and the ways that things like our sleep cycles and our everyday rhythms and our circadian rhythms are entwined or guided by our environments and the places that we inhabit. And so I don't know whether I'm adequately explaining that and I don't think it's something that I can really explain in words because it's something that we experience in our bodies and we experience it over time and all the time. And so for me, exploring that through sound has been a really enriching experience. Mm. Um, so over, 
maybe the past year, that's when the show started to incorporate more field recording and sounds of different spaces and sounds of environments um, alongside interviews um, and trying to explore this this thing, this, this um, relationship or this kind of uh, convergence of things that I, yeah, it's hard to explain in a, in a kind of short radio interview, but it's also something that is hard to explain over two hours every week, but it's something that's kind of an ongoing exploration for me. Mm. Yeah, something I've always really admired about your show is its ability or your ability to kind of sonically represent the haziness of the in-between states of the in-between wakefulness and sleeping of, yeah, like you said, kind of navigating the internal and the external world. I'm interested in how you kind of navigate that tension, particularly when you're kind of trying to replicate a sometimes sonically trying to replicate a, you know, a sleepy or kind of hazy wakefulness state, but also trying to keep people engaged? Yeah, it's, it's been a challenge, certainly. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, you'll know a lot about this as well, Beth, you know, trying to construct or present a radio program that's accessible to as many people as possible. Um, and trying to make sure that, if someone tunes into the show halfway through that they're still going to have an enriching experience in some way, even if they don't hear the start of the show. And so trying to make sure that, um, for example, like a person might be reintroduced multiple times throughout a broadcast, but at the same time not always wanting to spell everything out, um, and for me, for me, a lot of that is just to do with time. Uh, and so being able to, and that's been such a privilege in this uh, late night broadcast of the show and having two hours of the show every week to explore these things, being able to just slow right down in these late night hours and play for example, a really long piece of music or a really long piece of sound art um, that might kind of, I mean, I hope, you know, this, and everything that I do, I'm, I'm kind of hoping that it might have some impact on somebody or that they might uh, join me in a, in a certain state of mind or a certain mood, but I don't, I don't always know how it lands or, or what it might be kind of accompanying someone through in their life in, when they're listening um, so yeah, I suppose it's, uh, been a lot about kind of slowing down and pausing and kind of hopefully opening up some kind of reflective space. I definitely would say personally that it, it absolutely has on so many occasions. And I think that's, you know, the absolute strength of, of this project. And that's so lovely to hear, but I, I am also conscious of the fact that, uh, people, you know, I, I suppose sleep talk has started as something that people might listen to either while they're falling asleep or if they can't sleep and it's sort of something to keep them company maybe while they're in bed or if they have to get up during the night. But then I'm also trying to make sure that I'm not 
excluding people who maybe they're working night shift or maybe they are in a different time zone and so it's not a sleep time for them. Um, So, yeah, trying to balance all of these things. I'd love to talk a little bit about some of the places that you've taken us through this project. You know, you've taken us to, to bed with people. You've explored lucid dreaming. You've spoken, you've explored a lot about um, circadian rhythms and, and states of sleep and wakefulness and the in-between. I suppose, what have been some of the most surprising places that this project has taken you? Oh my gosh, so many that I could talk about. In in wrapping up this show, I just keep wanting to say thank you because I just feel so, so grateful that uh, in producing this show, I've been able to talk to and explore like the work and experience of so many incredible people. Um, and there's just been uh, so many interviews and places that that the show has visited that have really struck me. Um, You asked me what the most surprising place was. It's funny. I don't, I don't know if surprise is an emotion that I really feel that I associate with sleep talker. Um, I'm trying to think of a, an interview that has been surprising, but certainly like there's many that have, have stayed with me like long after they've been broadcast and have really kind of influenced my experience or my thinking. And a recent interview that, that I, I feel this way about was one that I had with Carly Olinton-Noon, who is a Gamilaroi astrophysicist. Mm-hmm. Um, and she kind of, we got very deep on some uh, quite technical information about astrophysics, um, but then we also talked a lot about Indigenous astronomy and the kind of uh, relationships and some of the tensions that can exist in um, Western science and colonial notions of knowledge um, and Indigenous knowledge systems. And so I really, I learned a lot from that. And there was a lot in that interview with Carly that was very new to me. Um, and that, that, that interview, I think I ended up broadcasting it over like almost the whole two hour show because there was just so much in that interview that that I wanted to explore and share. And so I'm really grateful to Carly for, for sharing her experience with me in those ways. And, um, yeah, that's certainly an interview that's kind of stayed with me, uh, after, you know, long after the broadcast. If you are listening and you do want to check out any of these interviews or sounds, you can always head over to the Triple R website and click through to Sleep Talker and you can listen back to some of Beck's programs. Beck, I am really interested, as you kind of spoke about before, your kind of sonic influences have changed as your work in this medium has changed. You kind of spoke about going from storytelling and, and documentary to perhaps more research-based sonic art. I'm interested in, I suppose, if you can talk to me about some of your, you know, sonic influences along the way and, and what they might be now. Yeah, certainly. Um yeah, I feel like at this when I started the show as kind of um, 
I was playing a lot of music uh, on the show and I still do play a lot of music on the show. Um, but I was kind of like looking for or listening for uh, music that was about sleep or that kind of referenced sleep or that was kind of thematically connected to what I was talking about on the show. But then over time, as I kind of developed more of a sonic aesthetic um, and also started to started to talk to more experimental musicians and sound artists because I was seeing a lot of intersections between what they were exploring and what I was exploring. And so, um, yeah, started kind of talking to and exploring the work of, in particular, there's some really incredible local experimental artists who I was fortunate enough to talk to, including Nina Buchanan and Fia Fiel um, and Nico Nico um, about his new project, Haji K. Um, there's so many. I, I don't want to leave anybody out, but there's so many artists. Um, and uh, as well, an, an artist whose work has, uh, I think, influenced my thinking about sound a lot is a Sydney-based artist named Alexandra Spence. Um, and she released an album, I think it was last year, um, called Waking, She Heard the Fluttering. Um, and it, it just explored, it's kind of this really interesting intersection between like field recording and experimental music and sound art, I guess, the the kind of convergence of um, our internal experiences and our environments and these these things that I find really hard to talk about and and can be really hard to put into words uh, sound and music is it has this ability to kind of go there or to explore these kind of unspoken things um or I don't I don't know if I should say unspoken because I do feel like they're spoken through the sounds but but maybe not verbalized in a way that that we can um in a way that we usually you know mean when we say spoken Mm. uh being on community radio is has been incredible in not only um connecting me with these artists you know there's an incredible music team at triple r who's been really really helpful in in hooking up some um interviews and performances on my show and also the the kind of talks producers at at triple r hooking up some interviews with artists but then also just having so much freedom and flexibility with like what i play on community radio and like what i'm able to share in my show means that i've been able to to broadcast the work of artists who, um, you know, maybe wouldn't get broadcast on a mainstream commercial station and also maybe wouldn't get broadcast like during the day. Mm. Um, there's, I've played a lot of like long form music from, uh, artists and collectives like long form editions. Um, and that's, you know, some of these tracks go for an hour. Um, and I don't, I don't know if I ever played a whole hour of somebody's work, but being able to play maybe like 40 minutes of something at 1am 
is a really special experience that that I just don't feel like I would be able to do on another station. Yeah, there is something that's really special about nighttime radio that can meet the audience where they are in a way, I suppose, just thinking about what you were talking about before with like circadian rhythms and how thinking about where most people might be at at those you know, particularly in those wee hours of the morning. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I kind of try to think about, um, and we were talking about this a little bit off air, Beth, um, when I was talking about my, my bike rides home, um, because I had this kind of weekly routine of, of riding my bike to and from the station. Um, and riding my bike home at or after 2am was a really special experience and something that has, I don't know, just riding, riding my bike home when the streets are really, really, really quiet. And I'm sure there's some people who, who are out this late all the time who have access to this time of night and so maybe it's not special to them. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to making this show, it was very rare that I would experience that time of night uh, sober and uh, having just kind of been in a in a kind of and in a kind of work mentality or in a, in a kind of uh, so anyway um, having having this like new access to that very particular time of night and being able to ride my bike through like the very quiet and still streets of Brunswick where there was very little traffic on the road and very few people around. And then like over time, I just started to notice like who is awake or like who is on the street at this time of night um, and what might their experience be. And and I suppose not wanting to assume or not wanting to to think that I could um, access their experience necessarily, but but just thinking about okay, so we're all awake at this otherwise very quiet, very still time of night. It's expected, or it's it's in the majority that most people are asleep or home, um, and so what does it mean to be like awake at this time? I I suppose also with the knowledge that I know that some people do have the radio on in the background while they're asleep or while they're trying to sleep. So, so there's this, um, knowledge, I guess that I carry that, you know, my show might not actually be listened to in an active way. It might, might sort of be background. Um, but then for the people who are listening to it or paying attention to it, what kind of mood might they be in or, or what what might what might be a comfort at that time it's really interesting and yeah I feel like something that yeah I haven't had to think a lot about because I haven't done a lot of late night radio for a, a long time but it is a real different experience of yeah just of, of what you think of your of your listener and where they are and as you said where perhaps the majority lie and if they don't what they're doing and thinking about that I guess that's not to assume as well or 
or to say that that's necessarily what late night radio needs to be. Mm. Um, you know, there's so many shows that happen late at night that aren't necessarily in this like slow, sleepy vibe. And that's been something really cool about like doing the, the 2am crossover with the graveyard shift is that every week there's been somebody new. And I, um, also and something really like equally exciting is when a graveyarder comes in and just plays something like really heavy or really fast um, and it just completely shifts. And that's like, you know, the beauty of having this like two hour show and then handing over to somebody new each week and and hearing what they do and and they own that time, um, you know, from 2am onwards. And there's, yeah, there's so many different creative kind of flexibilities of late night radio that can, can kind of be in so many different moods. Mm. Yeah, I feel like I've listened to some of the most interesting radio when it's, you know, at 2am, some of the graveyarders. It's just, it's amazing the kind of breadth and, and diversity of, of sounds that get played, you know. Totally. It's and I'm incredible. a massive like, community radio nerd as well. So I just, I, li- <laughs> I live for that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I love it. Um, and so, so many, so many sweethearts have, have come in at, at 2am to like, broadcast like too many to name but I, I find some of those interactions at 2am and and hearing what people play for for the graveyard shift is um yeah it's really special mm. so back tonight is your last sleep talker program as it has been for the last two years on this station I know that you might be hitting snooze on this project for a little while but I don't think it is the end how are you feeling about uh wrapping up on triple r I feel complicated about it. I feel sad. I definitely feel uh, that I am am sad to be wrapping up because I really love uh, broadcasting. I really love being part of the program grid. Um, Equally, I feel excited for the next program that's going to take over. Um, It hasn't been announced publicly yet, but the the new program that's going to take over the Wednesday midnight slot is going to be great. I can't wait to hear it. So I'm really like that part of me is very excited. Um, and then, you know, I said earlier that I keep saying thank you and I do just feel a lot of gratitude. I feel really grateful for all the people I've been able to speak to. Um, and all the people who've joined me in those midnight to 2am hours some people have have rung, you know, they've called the station um, at that time to kind of tell me how they felt about the show, and and that's been really special. And, and so yeah, I feel really grateful to to have been able to to you know have this opportunity and and to be able to have uh, explore these things over this time. So so yeah, I, I do feel like my kind of dominant feeling is gratitude, and then and then also there's part of me that is tired and is looking forward to a rest because as much as the midnight to 2am hours have been really special, it's also been really tiring. It's not, um, I am sometimes a late night person, but I'm not that much of a late night person. So, uh, I'm looking forward to kind of getting my, my Wednesday circadian rhythm back, back into, uh, alignment with, with the sleep that I need. And yeah. And as you said, I I do hope to 
to do something else with sleep talk. And that's, that's something that has been great about this project is that I suppose before joining triple R, you know, I did have a short um, seasonal run on sin, but otherwise the project has been independent and I've been able to um, just sporadically produce it when, when kind of suited me. Um, And so yeah, I'm going to just take some time to, to rest and to think about that and to think about what I might want to do with the project in the future, um, be that, you know, possibly a podcast on Triple R, um, possibly, possibly something else. I'm, I'm not sure, but um, I think that in some form I'll keep working on Sleep Talker for some time. Mm. Well, while we're... I suppose talking about gratitude, I would say a massive thank you for producing a really thought-provoking show for the last, you know, however many years. It's it's definitely, yeah, just on a, on a personal note, definitely given me so much inspiration and so much to think about and just, yeah, just I think really expanded my um, thinking about, you know, what radio can be and, and what podcasting can be and, and what we can do with this medium. And I think you've always kept it really exciting and interesting. And yeah, as you know, I'm a big fan. Thanks Beth. I could say the same to you though. I feel like I've, I've learned so much from the glass house and um, yeah, I love listening to it every week. And, and so thanks to you as well for, for the kind of um, the space that you hold on the radio. Well, this is cute. Thank you. <laughs> Um, Beck, I, before I let you go, I do want to talk about what's happening next for you because I know that you have a new work called Local Time that is a part of an online festival of experimental music, sonic art and design. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, about this work? I, I do find it hard to talk about this work because um, it is quite new and I'm still figuring out what it is. Um, but... Uh, so I'm currently doing my PhD. Um, so I'm doing uh, a practice-based research project at RMIT and I'm based at the School of Design um, and I am still working on audio. So I'm still definitely uh, engaged with and interested in audio production. Um, and I'm now shifting my practice uh into something new and, and the nature of practice-based research means that I don't fully know what that is yet. I'm still still working on it and figuring it out. But uh, I am now exploring programming and digital design. So I'm looking at uh, online kind of web-based listening experiences and the ways that I can use um web programming in particular I'm, I'm using the the web language javascript at the moment and i'm using programming to uh I, I guess i'm using it as one of my editing tools so previously i've been using kind of um software to edit my sounds and i'm now seeing what i might be able to do if i take programming and web design as as one of those tools and I'm really new to web design so I'm I'm still figuring out what that what that means and what what I might be able to do with it um 
but I am working on all of this through this project, Local Time. Um, and what I'm doing with that project is collecting or listening um, and field recording around my local area, which is the inner west. Um, and I am listening to the ways that uh, environmental sound or the sounds of, of public space and, and in the inner west and the, the environments that I'm, that I'm listening to, that means uh, industrial sounds and it means wildlife sounds and it means um, a whole lot of kind of intersecting kinds of human and non-human sounds. Um, and so I'm collecting these sounds and then looking at how they might shift over the 24 hours of a day and the rhythms of a day. And then beyond that, the, the rhythms, other rhythms that might exist, um, uh, and, and then using digital design to try to augment or represent that. Mm. Um, and so this is all something that I'm going to be exploring over the next few years. Um, but I will be kind of publicly exhibiting this work for the first time, um, in a couple of weeks from July 8th to 12th as part of event, whatever, as you mentioned, and that will be sort of an early version of, of this project and it'll be online um, or available from sunset until sunrise each night from the 8th till the 12th of July. And so listening to environmental sounds of the inner west um, over those hours. If people do want to find out a little bit more about that festival, you can head over to avantwhatever.com. Beck, thank you so much for your time today. It has been a real pleasure kind of delving into the history of Sleep Talker and just learning more about your audio practice. People can tune in tonight from midnight for the last edition of Sleep Talker on the Triple R Grid. But Beck, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Beth. I really, really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. It's audio producer and practice-based researcher, Beck Fari, chatting there all about their program, Sleep Talker. This is Beth AQ. Thanks for listening to the podcast of The Glass House, a weekly radio show that airs on Triple R each Wednesday. We hope you enjoyed the podcast and feel free to get in touch via Twitter at Bethany AQ or the Triple R website.